0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. I wanted to uh, just start with the story. Um, When I was young, when I was in elementary school, um, there was this tradition uh, that I dreaded. Uh, When um, when we were about to play a game or uh, have some kind of athletic event, um, there would always be a time when the participants would all line up and the torture would begin, um, the picking of teams uh, for athletic events or games or or whatever. I've never been a super athletic person, so I would typically get chosen last or close to last. Um, If I was with a group of people who didn't know me, they would think, oh, he's probably good at sports, and then they would be... Totally disturbed by my uh, my athletic prowess. Um, once they knew, but people, anyone who, all the kids who knew me, they would always pick me. Um, close to last, so um, you can imagine. Uh, think about, you know, if this has not happened to you, some of you guys are super athletic, so this maybe doesn't happen to you, but you can imagine an elementary school kid um, lining up for a group of his peers to, for them to assign you a value, um, you know, by the order in which they choose you. Uh, being picked last in gym over and over and over again messes you up, I will, I will tell you that. Um, and maybe that sounds crazy to you. Maybe that sounds like you said that's, that's not even that big a deal. I, I'm just telling you, I like to be picked. I like to be picked. I like to be picked. For the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series we called Identity. In um, the first message I talked a little bit about being a slave to sin and what that means or being identified with sin and what that's like. So 200 years ago uh, during during times of slavery in our country people would often be sold away from their families so there'd be, you know, that you'd be slaves would be within their family unit at one particular you know, with one particular slave owner but that slave owner would sell parts of the family to different places um, and and what the slave owners who bought you, what they wanted you to do or their message to you was, this is your new family now. Forget about your old family. You're never going to see them again. This is your new family. These, me and your master and these slaves, we're your new family now. Um, sin is that kind of a master. Sin is that kind of a master. It means to separate us from everyone we love and everything that's important to us and leads us, keeps us captive. Um, and we think we're free when we're, when we're, you know, we're, we're ex- exercising our rights to do what we want, whenever we want, with who we want. But we, we don't understand how devastating sin is. We, 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 uh, mis- we misjudge that. And that path, How we, we misunderstand how that path only leads to being owned by and identified with sin. So the father, though, sent Jesus to redeem us and redeem is just a fancy word to mean pay the debt for or buy um, to to pay the debt, pay our sin debt um, to set us free, to set us free and be adopted into his family. Uh, Listen to this. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God sent his son to redeem me, buy me out, of, buy me out from under uh, the tyranny of slavery to sin. So recently I was talking with some friends about how we measure um, what a specific currency is worth. How we measure what a specific currency is worth. So we measure it by what it can buy, right? You say, we understand how much a currency is worth by measuring by how much. So a $1, $1 bill can buy these things. And you would say, okay, that's, That makes sense for us. That's been our experience. But if a Canadian dollar bill could buy these things, then we would say, okay, a Canadian dollar bill, that currency is more valuable than American currency. We measure a currency by assessing what it can purchase. So what's the most valuable currency in the universe? If we measure currency by assessing what it can purchase, then what's the most valuable currency in the universe? That would have to be the blood of Christ. That would have to be the blood of Christ. The purchasing power of the blood of Christ is like nothing we've ever known. Um, the, the, The blood of Christ is a currency Spent to purchase my freedom away from slavery. It's the most valuable currency in the universe. And it was spent on me. So that I might receive adoption to sonship. I'm no longer identified as a slave, but I'm identified as God's child. And that's because of Christ. So last week, um, Roy talked about how one of our Bible heroes, Abraham, had been promised that he would be the father of a great nation. But by the time Abraham is 85 and his wife is 75, they still have no children. Um, So the two of them come up with this super amazing idea um, that Sarah, since Sarah couldn't have any children, it seemed like she didn't have any children, she could have children through her slave, her slave Hagar. Um, So that's what they did. Um, Abraham follows a child with Hagar named Ishmael. So they do this because they don't have faith in what God has promised. They do this because they don't have faith in what God had promised, and so the lack of their faith is a sin. The lack of their faith is a sin. But Sarah is so immersed in her sin that instead of saying, "Okay, this was this was on me. This was my fault," she blames Hagar for the consequences of what they're facing. So God's super gracious to Sarah and he's promised to do great things through Sarah. And Sarah ends up having her, having her own child. She names him Isaac. And even though God has been gracious to Sarah, Sarah is not gracious to Hagar. Hagar, um, Sarah, says this to, Sarah, Sarah says this to Abraham about Hagar. She says this. She says, get rid of that slave woman and her son for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Abraham agrees to do this. He gives Hagar and Ishmael some food and some water and then bans them in the desert, which is basically a death sentence. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. This is super sad. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And God heard the boy crying. And the angel of the Lord called the Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Man, this. Ishmael's been abandoned by his father and left for dead. But just at the right time, God shows up and saves him, adopts him as his own. and says, I- I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great nation. He's the loving father that Abraham should have been. Sarah tells Ishmael, um, you're a slave. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you. But God says, receive adoption to sonship. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I wonder what it was like in one second to go from you're about to die to you're an heir to glory. an adoption... Old ways, old names are left behind. And then you're identified with a new family. You take their name and your identity comes from them. You're no longer identified with the old family of sin and death, but we are identified with a new family of life and inheritance and greatness. Um, And so we are now co-heirs with Christ of a wonderful inheritance. Ishmael was a slave and he could never be a co-heir with Isaac. Isaac. But God shows up and makes that true. God shows up and makes us co-heirs with Christ. That should never, ever be. God has gone out of his way and picked you. Picked you to be adopted into his family and to be co-heirs with Christ. So recently I was talking with one of my friends. who was adopted into her family. And we talked a little bit about what it's like for a child who's been, who's been in foster care and been, or, or like an, or an orphanage setting, what it's like for that child to be adopted. And after devastating feelings of rejection for often for years, she just talks about how life-changing it is to be picked, to be chosen. It, it, it feels good to be chosen. We all want to be picked. I, I often, I, sometimes I'll tell my kids, like if I had a chance to pick any kid in the world, if I had a chance to pick any kid in the world, I'd always choose you. And they're always like, you wouldn't know. How would you know? I don't know how I would know, but God would tell me and I would, every time I would always pick them. And, I, and I, sometimes I imagine myself or I explain to them, I'll be walking down the hall, I'll see Tom Brady and I'll see Michael Jordan. I'll, I'll pass those guys. I'll say, you. I picked you. I tell them I picked them in hopes that they would understand just how loved they are. There is an ultimate father who has picked you, who, who has personally picked you. You are so very loved because you have been picked by him. You've been picked by him. So, when we celebrate communion together, I I want us to celebrate our adoption and how God has picked us, picked each of us to be identified with a new family that will last forever. Your your, 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 Your identification has moved from slave to child, from slave to heir. So, in ancient Rome, in ancient Rome, adoption was uh, was common it 's not a kind of adoption that we know today um, today you know the adoptions that we know are typically people adopt children. This was different this was different in Roman times people you know, so let me say it like this. Today, we write a will, or if we write a will, you know that, that's how we have our inheritance given to the people we want to give into. We'll, we'll say, when I die, give these things to this person and that person. But at, in ancient times, in ancient Rome, it wasn't like that. In ancient Rome, if you wanted to do that, you would do it through adoption. So older boys, adult males would often be adopted. Sometimes the person that was being adopted was older than the person who was doing the adopting. You would do that in order to identify them with your family and to make them an heir of your inheritance. One Bible commentary says it like this. It says, when the adoption was legally approved, the adoptee would have all his debts canceled and he would receive a new name, And he would be the legal son of the adopted father and entitled to all the rights and benefits of a son. A father could disown his natural born son, but adoption was irreversible. God has picked you and made you his child and heir, co-heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And everything... And you think about what that means. You're co heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you now. You've been chosen and picked before the creation of the world to be part of his family. You have been chosen to be, you've chosen to be a part of the family of the good, good father. And that's something to celebrate let's celebrate that now as we partake in uh, communion together and then uh, we'll continue in our service. Dear Father, I pray for those moments when we feel like we are nobodies when we are nothing, when we are sobbing and crying our eyes out that at just the right time you showed up and you picked us. You picked us for redemption, for, for life in you, in your family. And I pray that, that our circumstances, uh, the things that are happening around us, wouldn't define us. The way that we've been rejected by each other wouldn't define us. But that the way that the good, good father has picked us, that would define us. And that now we are co-heirs with Christ you, Father, you have put everything under the power of Christ. And now because of your grace, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I pray that as we celebrate the communion and the redemption that, that is purchased, by, purchased with Christ's blood, help us to be so, so grateful and thankful That Christ's blood buys us a place in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.